<laughs> okay. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for thy commandments. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Excuse me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Make thy face shine upon thy servant and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. So we're on verse 131. I opened my mouth and panted for I longed for thy commandments. And that's on page five, item number three, which is longing for obedience. Fill in the blanks there that are not blanks. <laughs> longing for obedience. I opened my mouth and panted for I longed for thy commandments. And so what you have is before we get into the rest of this, this handout is just about that thought of panting. And what's that? Oh, OK. So uh, panting that number one here on the handout panting. Uh, panting for his commandments is part of panting for him to hear from him, to be helped by him. And this is kind of I, I, I imagine we've all been in the place where we felt like we had to hear from the Lord. We, we had to be helped by him. We had to be comforted by him. I know I've been there many times and just uh, that 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 overwhelming desire to be helped by the Lord, to, for, to, to hear directly from the Lord about something in your life. Uh, but in, uh, if you'd like to turn with me in Psalm 42, please. Psalm 42. And starting in verse 1, and it's a pretty familiar verse. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come? When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they say continually unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And so you see some repetition in this passage. And I think it's, you know, we often need this kind of repetition. And it's because, at least in part, a lot of times we know what the answers are. But it doesn't change the war that we feel or the turmoil that we feel or the anxiousness that we feel. We cannot control those feelings. If we could, I think that a lot of us would turn off the spout so that we didn't have the 
I'm I'm sure we've all felt like at times there's a a torrent of negative feelings and you and you can name it. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, anxiousness. It could be anger. It could be all kinds of things. You cannot always control your emotions. And uh, we had a pastor here a long time ago who said you can't uh, control whether a bird flies over your head, but you can control whether it builds a nest there. It's a good saying. You know, and, and so there's all kinds of things that we cannot control. But what we can control is how we respond. And you see the psalmist here in this passage. And he, he takes the things that are presented to him. And like it says here, my tears have been my meat day and night while they say continually unto me, where is thy God? In other words, you're hoping in God and you're trusting in God. Where is he? He's not showing up. You better just go ahead and do things the way we tell you to do them. And so, again, you know, it's this constant reinforcement of things you get from the scriptures is hope in God. You don't listen to those voices. You hope in God. You trust in God. And so, again, the psalmist, he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I I went with them to the house of God. And he says in verse five, why art thou cast down, O my soul? I, I think it's very telling when you see this kind of statement in the scriptures a man speaking to his own soul, <laughs> speaking to his own person. Why are you cast down? Now, I, I don't know. I, I, I know it applies to the thought of depression. Listen, there's all kinds of people that wake up and they're depressed. You cannot always control that. But you can control whether you stay down, whether you stay. Uh, oppression is mentioned in this passage. All kinds of these things. You can't control those those feelings. You're going to have them until you have them. But the truth is, is we can control our response to the feelings. Yeah, listen, our place and, and you know, you see the Lord Jesus or you see uh, Paul talking to Timothy where he says, be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, good soldiers aren't just good soldiers because they feel like it. Good soldiers know how to do the job they're trained to do because they're trained. And we as Christians need to do the same thing. We need to sit before God and receive help from Him, training from Him, train our hearts and our minds. Again, the soldiers who, who you know, stormed the beaches of Normandy in June of 1944. Is that right? I don't remember. Anybody know? D-Day? I, I, I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, none of those guys felt like facing that wall of bullets at them coming or for that matter, seeing the bodies across the beach. Nobody felt like doing that job. Listen, the job that God calls us to, we are to do it. And it doesn't matter how we feel about it. It doesn't matter what people say about us walking with God. Our job is to fear God and walk with him. And it doesn't matter what anybody else around us says about it. And it doesn't matter how we feel. And listen, that, that's a very important thing that I think that God is continually teaching all of us. And, and at times, I think reteaching us or reinforcing it is your feelings need to take a back seat to the will to obey God. And because we have a world, literally a world of things telling us to go any way, but the way that God tells us to go. And so our job is to say the only person who has a right to tell me how to live my life is the Lord. And the thing is, is when you walk with God, uh, I've told you guys many times about the verse I try to read every day before work, (laughs) obey them that have the rule over you, you know, uh, you know, obey those masters according to the flesh as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so listen, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm going to be the best worker I can be. And that's the way we should live our lives is walking and following him until. And, you know, the thing is, is you'll be a great citizen up until the day that a Christian can't be a citizen anymore. And I, I told pastor earlier this week about there's there's this guy. There's a there's a, a video of a guy who's being kicked out of a mall for wearing a shirt that says Jesus saves. And then on the back, it has the coexist thing. And it has a line through it and says, Jesus is the only way. And apparently somebody got poked in the eye by that because they went to the mall cops and they say, this is offending me. And the cops, the mall cops said, you have to get out. You have to take the shirt off or you have to get out. This is this is private property. Yeah, this is an amazing world that we live in in this time. That wearing a shirt that says Jesus saves, somebody can be offended by and and say, you know, if that offends me, you have to leave. And in this world, right? That's that's right. And it's it's a barrage, and it's just getting worse all the time. And it, it's getting to the point where the people in that community they cannot have anybody disrupting their view. They can't have anybody poking uh, poking their balloon. They can't have that. They have to have everybody in the world reinforcing that they're good and wonderful because they're gay or whatever. Brother Patrick. They almost treated that complaint like the guy owned the mall or something. <laughs> like he was, they were following orders. I mean, they, they kicked somebody out for that. Well, and, and, you know, they said he was soliciting. Yeah, he said, they said, well, you're soliciting by wearing a shirt that says Jesus saves. And, yeah, and Melissa said the same thing. You know, what about all the rainbow stuff? Isn't that soliciting? <laughs> hey, if Jesus saves a soliciting, that's soliciting too. <laughs> and so anyway, like, like the psalmist says in this passage, when he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. And that's, listen, over all of our issues, you know, Solomon says in Proverbs, out of the heart are the issues of life. And when we have these things, because listen, I don't think life is ever going to be uh, to the point where everything is encouraging you to, to live for God and obey God. I imagine that while we're here on earth, there's always going to be a world against you. There's always going to be a flesh against you. And there's always going to be Satan with a bullseye in your head. Yes, sir. And like you're saying, because he's opening his mouth and he's panting for it. Yeah. But let me, can I read this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, Revelation 7, 16, 17. Here we're talking about hunger again, panting. Mm-hmm. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. Amen. Panting, and shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So that's our only answer to when, we, yeah. when we're going to be. It's not what, going to be an issue. And that goes along yeah. with the beatitude of Matthew 5, where it says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Right. And, and that's the thing is, is, I think it's so common for people to hunger and thirst after fleshly things. And yet the, the, need, to, the need to hear from God, that we're talking about spiritual condition, that I need to hear from the Lord. I need his help. I need his guidance. I need his peace. And the thing is, is, is those things are available to us as Christians. Again, even even if you have feelings that are all in turmoil, you can still have peace. You can have peace in Christ. 
And I, I've had the Lord so many times where, again, I've told you guys before, I've just been a mess most of my adult life. Um, and, and I've had the Lord just pick me up and, and gird me with strength and give me peace of heart and mind when on the inside I felt like I was just falling apart. And so listen, there's, there's not a time in which God is not sufficient. The Lord Jesus told uh, Paul, you know, when Paul asked three times for the thorn in the flesh to be removed, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know, there's not a condition, a set of circumstances that you can find yourself in that the grace of God is not enough. Now, again, it doesn't mean you can't have feelings of fear of overwhelming oppression. But God is always up to the task of facing it with us. Our place is to remember, you know, like the Lord Jesus said, you know, we're in a yoke with him. You know, take my yoke upon you, learn of me and walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is born so much better when the Lord Jesus is bearing it with you. And again, we don't always feel his presence, that 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 wonderful, overwhelming comfort and peace. But listen, his promises are true all the time. And there are times in which you are you are facing things and you feel all alone and they're they're, they're, they're they feel like seasons sometimes. But regardless, God's promises are true. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's true. Even when you feel like you're dwelling in darkness, God is faithful and he hasn't left us there. And we're not just, uh, uh, you know, dwelling all alone in the dark. The Lord is faithful to the end. And so panting for his commandments is part of panting for him to hear from him, to be helped by him. Number two, this is where we spend the rest of our time with this handout. Panting also speaks to desperate need. That's what we've been talking about. Letter A, many saints in God's words were led to desperate situations and their cries were sent up while they waited anxiously for his response. And there's there are many passages, but we're just going to look at a few of these in Exodus chapter 33. I, I really debated how much to share about these, but Exodus 33. And you'll remember that when uh, Moses went up into the mount and you'll remember the things that, that the people of Israel saw, you know, they saw the mighty presence of God upon the mountain. The mountain was burning with fire. They heard God's voice from heaven, giving them these commandments. And they said, hey, we can't hear God's voice anymore. We'll die. And God said, the, the things that they've said are good. I'll speak to you, Moses, and you will give them my words. And then Moses went up into the mount for 40 days. And what happened during the 40 days? They turned to idolatry. They made a golden calf and they fell down and worshiped it and said, these be thy gods that deliver thee. Uh, I, I don't remember what they said, but they said, these be they, thy gods, O Israel. And they talked about making a captain and going back to Egypt. Can you imagine God, how he would see that? The way he had done all these great works and delivered them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea all the way up until that day, that time when he appeared to them and talked to them. And then they quickly forget. Yeah, but how often do we do that? Right. Well, that's that was the words I was saying right next is we all are capable of forgetting. And, and, I, and I think that sometimes Satan does it on purpose to cloud our vision. So we only see either a the temptation or b the fear or whatever it is that he's trying to accomplish in us, trying to help you to think about nothing else but that. And so, listen, our, our place is to seek, seek God's face quickly, like we saw back in Psalm 42 
and, and the psalmist there pouring out his heart and his soul. And so in Psalm 33, we're after their idolatry. And you remember the first thing that God says is get you up, go down for thy people, which thou delivered. God says this to Moses, thy people, which thou delivered out of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. And he said, I've seen this people. And he talks about judging them. He talks about wasting, making, making them nothing, you know, wiping them out. And Moses interceded. And he said, Lord, you know, the, 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 the people of, of the lands will see this and they'll they'll say because you weren't able to bring them into the land. And so he he interceded on Israel's behalf and and the Lord stayed his hand. But when Moses went down, he was overcome with anger and he took the Ten Commandments that God had made and he broke them. And listen, what what that scene was is traumatic. It was absolutely traumatic. And so then Moses decides to go back up and to cry to to the Lord for the people. And so that's a great deal of what you're seeing in, in, in chapter 33. But what I want you guys to see is is the people's perspective. Now, listen, they have been been sternly rebuked by God, <laughs> by Moses, the man of God. And, and this scene is has been, you know, for those people. For, for, and listen, we this is a very important point. We all need to be able to be rebuked for God to be able to correct us, for God to be able to say, Brett, you have blown it really, really bad. Like a parent that is correcting you, we need to be able to be corrected by God because we all know what it looks like when someone can't be corrected by God. And it's a nightmare. You're telling them things that they need to hear. You're telling them changes have to be made or you're going in a direction that's going to result in a terrible set of consequences and you can't get through to them. They tell you you're the one that's crazy. (laughs) Has anybody ever been there? (laughs) You're trying to help somebody and they tell you you're the one that's nuts? That's great. That'll push you over the edge. (laughs) But anyway, uh, we all need to be able to be corrected by God. We need for God to be able to to correct us and rebuke us and for us to receive chastening. And like it says in Hebrews, Hebrews says, you know, what, what, which one of you, which one of you uh, can't, can't, uh, you know, if he says you're, if you're without chastening, you're bastards and not sons. And so that's the way that God is going to deal with the entirety of, of his people. All of us have to be corrected. There's not one of us that doesn't have to be corrected. And so it'd be better for everyone, especially the Lord, if we could be corrected quickly. So in 30 in Exodus 33, and the Lord said unto Moses, depart and go up hence. Now listen, this is this is very stunning to read. Depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of out of the land of Egypt unto the land, which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee and I will drive out the drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. You'll remember how God led Israel out of Egypt and to the Red Sea. And from the Red Sea, he led them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. His very presence with them. When the, when the, when the pillar rose up from off the temple, that's when they moved. And when the pillar stopped, that's when they stopped. But the Lord says here, I'm going to send in an angel and he's, he's basically saying, I'm going to fulfill all the promises that I made to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. I'm going to fulfill them all. But you know what? I'm not going with you because you're a stiff necked people. 
He said, lest I should consume you in the way. The Lord is saying, and and by the way, this is another important thing to, to remember about God, is he is not an emotionless force out there. Many people like to think about God like he's just a force out there that gives you a bunch of rules and you do them or you don't do them. That's not the case. God is an emotional being. One of the things he says to Israel is, I am a jealous God. I don't want you worshiping other gods because you're my people. And so all these things are things we need to keep in mind about the Lord is that we can make him angry. We can also be pleasing to him when we worship him, when we obey him. And so our place is to recognize that. And so the Lord says here, I'm going to fulfill my promises. I'll send an angel and uh, and and but I'm not going to go with you. In verse four. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned and no man did put on his on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, ye are a stiff necked people. And I will I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore, now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the took the tabernacle, pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called the tabernacle called it the tabernacle of the congregation. It came to pass that everyone which sought the world sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses and the people saw the, the, the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And so part of what I wanted you to see here is how they're waiting anxiously. They're waiting to hear from God. They're waiting to see what God's response is going to be from all this. Listen, the, the, those who have an eye to see what has gone, what has happened here, their own actions, God's response to those actions knows that this is serious. And they are. And, and the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And those who are wise hearted enough to know that we have offended the Lord know that now God is in the position where he is deciding what to do. And can you imagine being in the congregation and they are are and and this is this is the good. This is the best thing that you're going to see in this. This part of the story is that they're they're concerned. They're responding with fear. They're responding with God is God. He has a right to do these things. I have offended him and he has a right to, 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 to correct me, to punish me. And so their response is they're standing in the door and they're watching and they're anxious to see what's going to happen. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, see, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that uh, I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? 
So shall we be separated, I and all the people and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And so this this is a very wonderful passage that Moses said, if you're not going to go with us, don't send us up, because the only thing that makes us special is your presence among us. And you'll see how God responded to this. He said, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. So God says, I'm going to go with Israel. Why did he do that? He did that for one person. He did it for Moses. He did it for Moses's intercession for the people. And we have a very similar situation because God doesn't forgive you and I because we deserve it. Yeah, and any person who's ever made a promise to God, Lord, if you'll just forgive me, then I'm going to clean up my act. <laughs> I imagine most, if not all of us, have said something like that at some point in our lives. But God, God doesn't forgive us because of that. He doesn't forgive us because I'm going to I'm going to do much better. He forgives us because of Christ and Christ alone. And it's his presence. You know, there's a beautiful song, Melissa, and I love it so much, where it talks about how the Lord can look on him and forgive me. <laughs> it's such a beautiful thought that the father can look on Jesus Christ and forgive Brett. Listen, Christ provided that for us. He provided the manner in which God can forgive me and still be righteous and still be holy and just. And I wish we could go on reading and, and, and we're going to see from this passage. Moses is going to ask for for the ability. He, he says, let me see thy glory. And God doesn't tell him. No, he just says, you can't see it to my face. If you'd like to read on, please do read on the rest of 33 and 34. And so then you see also in Job. Uh, so we're talking about saints who were in desperate situations and their their cries were sent up. We, we won't read more than this, but if you'd like to read the context, it's there in Job 23, one through 10. But we'll just read what's in the notes here. Oh, that I knew no, this is Job speaking. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. And again, we've talked about that, that, that situation of I desperately need to hear from God. I desperately, I don't know if there's been a man in human history that you could claim needed to hear from God as much as Job felt like he did at that time. I can't, I can't imagine anybody more desperate than Job, although Paul might have been close after uh, he met the Lord on the road to Damascus and the Lord blinded him. And, uh, but I, I don't know. But, uh, but then you see in verse 8, Behold, I go forward, he is not there, uh, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And there's a lot of little nuggets like that in the book of Job. Little, little essences of faith that you see pour through in Job's life, in the midst of the of the fear and the and the and the chaos, and you and you. By the way, we we read chapters one and two, and you. I don't know. I think some people may think that's all that that's all there was is is he he lost all of his his earthly possessions. He lost his children. He had his wife say, "Curse God and die." But listen, the the trials did not end there. You see, throughout the rest of the book, him talking about nightmares in the night. And how when he wakes up, he wishes it was it was nighttime. And at nighttime, he wishes it was daytime. The trial never ended. It was 24 seven. And so listen again, if anybody has a right to claim a desperate situation, 
that they needed God and needed him to alleviate the trial that they were in and they needed to hear from his voice, it would, it would certainly be Job that would apply. And then you see Psalm 18, and I wish we could read all of Psalm 18. I really do. But it's another situation of a, of a saint of God in a desperate time and a desperate need and their cries were sent up and they were anxiously waiting on, on God's response. So in Psalm 18, again, I'd encourage you to read the whole thing, but Psalm, David cries unto God for deliverance. And Psalm 18 is David's observation, looking back, of both his desperate cry and God's response. And I, this is such an inspiring passage. So we'll just look at verse 5. It says, The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. And this is David looking back. Now, by the way, when David was, you, you read some of his Psalms, like when he was in the cave of Engedi, and it was a terrible time. He was, he was at a time of overwhelming fear and anxiousness. And, um, and, and he did not, I don't think he had the, the perspective that he has now. When he looks back, and, and many of us have talked about how looking back, I can understand far more accurately what God was doing than I know when I'm in the middle of it. And so this is what David said. God responded to his prayer. The earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. God cares very deeply about his people. And when we cry to God in a desperate need, God is, is answering. Just because we don't see it right now doesn't mean he's that. This is why Psalm 18 is recorded for us so that we can know God is moving heaven and earth on our behalf. God is doing mighty things that you and I barely have the smallest conception of. God is moving in response to our prayer. What we fail to understand is often it is profitable for us to be in the trial. Like, like Job said, when, when he's, when, um, what do you say? He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And the thing is, is a lot of us are satisfied with dross. We're satisfied with their, with not being any more than we are. But that God is not satisfied with that. God wants to see us to grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory and from strength to strength. That's what God wants for you and I. He wants us to grow from babes in Christ to young men and women to soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. God will not be content with anything less. And so and then you go on as Paul, as David says, uh, uh, the God's response, you see in verse 16, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. I'm skipping on down to verse 27. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt bring down high looks. For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God I have leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all those that trust in him. Again, this is David's response looking back. And he can say, looking back at those trials. And they were trying times. There was one point when he was in Ziklag that his own people talked about stoning him. And there was nobody to encourage David in the Lord. But you know what the Bible says? David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
And so listen, there's going to be times where it's just you and God. Praise God for times like right now where we have each other. We can lift up each other's needs. We can praise the Lord together. But the time may come where it's just you and God and he is sufficient. And so our place is to learn like we as you read these passages, they're meant to inform our own perspective. They're meant to tell us how we need to see in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the persecution, in the middle of oppression. God is moving and he will bring a tremendous victory. And someday we will be before God's throne in heaven, praising him like David does in Psalm 18. Lord, you move in such an amazing way. And sometimes we have we get glimpses of it now. I remember one time, this is so many years ago, we were we were we we had gone into a ditch and it just seemed so hopeless, didn't it, honey? It was so hopeless. <laughs> and yet God miraculously I mean, this was a tri- incredible snowstorm. And and we saw snowplows in the ditch. <laughs> we had a tiny little little uh, eagle summit with ball bearings for tires practically. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, uh, we were we were wedged down. I mean, it was such a steep uh, uh, falling off there and it looked impossible. And then this this van pulls over and five young guys jump out of the back and the car practically popped out of the ditch. And I was I was just amazed. And I said, I don't know if you guys are Christians. They said, yeah, we're Christians. <laughs> and so we prayed and we thanked God right there on that interstate all those years ago. And listen, that that was I, we went we went driving down the road. I was praising God for hours <laughs> and thank you. Thank the Lord for moments like that where you get to see an immediate response. But listen, there are many times in life where there's not an immediate response Listen, those things are meant to inform us for the dark times. They're supposed to help our faith to be strong. And all the testimonies that we share, they're meant to inform each other's faith. God is faithful all the time. There's never a time in which God is not faithful. Only things that we don't understand. And there's, listen, we're so finite. We are so flawed in our understanding. God is always faithful. And so we're meant to encourage each other in the Lord constantly. And um, and and so that all has been all about the thought of panting that desperate. I need to hear from you, Lord. I need to see what what I, I need your guidance. I need your peace. I need your strength. I need I need to know which fork in the road to take. And God is up to the task 100 percent of the time. So uh, we'll go ahead and stop right there. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the truth of who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness to love us and take care of us. And I pray that you help us, Lord, to be strong in you and be strong in faith and to not let the world temper our faith or cool, cool down our fervency for you. But help us, Lord, to, to cling to you closely. And uh, even when the times are, are difficult for us to understand what's happening or why it's happening, help us to be strong in faith and trust in you and, and seek your face and follow you closely. And we pray for all the needs that were mentioned here tonight. We pray that you please meet each one and help us, Lord, and our families and, uh, and, and the unspoken requests that we have here tonight as well. And uh, thank you. We pray, pray that you please keep us safe as we go home and uh, bring us back at the next time. And, and uh, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.